this morning that you would lift our eyes to where our help comes from. Lord, and we do confess that you have found us over and over again. We wouldn't be here had you not called us to yourself and found us. And so, Father, now as we come to your word, I pray that you would open to it, open it to us again and show us new and wonderful things, how you shepherd us and lead us and guide us and are with us, Father. So, Lord, fill this time of your spirit. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> well, good morning. I hope you guys got to uh, experience the, uh, the Christmas concert over the last two nights. It was just a really wonderful and worshipful experience. I think it really has set the mood for uh, my Christmas season, and I hope you guys got to as well. So welcome to Risen Life this morning. Uh, my name is Jared Jenkins. I'm one of the pastors here uh, on staff, and this morning we're going to be continuing in our series about the, the pre-incarnate Christ. So what we're doing is we're looking at themes and types and appearances of Jesus before Jesus came that tell us more about Jesus when he did come. And so this morning we're going to be looking at uh, Christ as shepherd. Now we're kind of going to be all over uh, the Bible this morning, but we're going to land in John 10 where Jesus talks about uh, being our good shepherd. <clears throat> and what we're going to see is this, this theme of shepherd. It's a rich theme that just is all over both Testaments, and it has a lot to tell us about our relationship to God. Now, I think at some level, we all want to be shepherded. We all want to have someone that loves us, cares for our well-being, that is helping us get to where we need to go. I can remember back uh, when I was in the eighth grade, the summer of my, after my eighth grade year, and I was really worried about going to high school, as many of us have been in the past. Maybe you can remember. And uh, I remember that God provided some godly men or some godly high schoolers that were older than me and some more mature peers that began to shepherd me through the process of high school. And it was just so cool that these guys... They made my experience a joyful one because they shepherded me through all the hard stuff. Uh, and for many of us, you can think through times where God has graciously provided that person that, that shepherded through you through a certain time in your life, that cared for you at a certain time, and it was the hand of God in your life. For many of us, that begins with our parents that, that kind of teach us what life is about and, and bring us into this world. And then for me, it was also in college, my campus minister, again, this big shift in life. He began to shepherd me and show me what it means to live as a godly man. And in work, I have had the blessing of many bosses that not only led me, um, but cared for me and shepherded me through those times. And all of those, I can look back and say, have been part of Christ's plan for my life as he has been the good shepherd to me. And if you think about it, I know our world is, is crying out for a shepherd. <clears throat> if you've been in the business world any time lately, you've seen this, this movement for mentorships and even coaching. And I think this is us wanting to be shepherded, that we want someone to help us, to lead us. Even our current political climate is us as a nation crying out, we want a shepherd. We want someone to lead us and care for us and take us good places. And what we're going to see today, that the Bible is going to show us that this longing for a shepherd 
is meant to be fulfilled in the good shepherd in Christ. And it's going to be a really good thing to see. Now, I don't perceive that many of you left your field this morning with your sheep and came to church. So I think it'd be good if we talked about what a shepherd is and what he does just for a moment as we kind of get into this. So, so what is a shepherd? This is kind of removed for us. Basically, they're, they're just a caretaker of sheep or other animals. <clears throat> Probably about the closest I've been to a shepherd is when I drive over, uh, I think it's Wolf Creek Pass, and sometimes there's flocks of sheep up there being shepherded by different people. But basically, when we look at the, the Bible, shepherds are people that take care of animals. Okay? And this language is going to be applied to God and Christ. Even in the Old Testament, this is, it's both men and women. In fact, Rachel, Jacob's wife, she was a shepherdess. She took care of animals as well. And really, a shepherd has four main jobs when we look at the Bible and think about what they do. They provide, they protect, they're present, and they lead. Okay? This is what a shepherd does. These are the primary jobs of a shepherd. A shepherd provides, one of his primary jobs is he has to lead the sheep to a place where there's water and food and they graze over vast areas and so the shepherd has to know where that is. He wants his sheep to be healthy. He wants them to grow into the livestock that he wants. Shepherds also protect it. You know, you think about shepherds sitting out in the middle of the night protecting their sheep from whatever wild animals may want to come and get them. And now sheep are not the smartest animals, as we know. And uh, so there's a lot of dangers out there that they don't know about. And so the shepherd has to keep them away from those things. A shepherd also must be present with his sheep. A good shepherd knows his flock intimately. He knows the, the health history of the animals he's working with, the birth circumstances, so he knows which sheep to breed with the others. He knows their eating habits. He knows their idiosyncrasies. He knows about that sheep that likes to just come up to you and just kind of lean on you. I don't know if you've ever been on a farm and been around farm animals, and there's always that one that just kind of moves in on you, just kind of leans on you, and he'll push you into the wall if you're not careful. And then there's the one that always bites you when you go by. The shepherd knows all of these sheep, even knows them by name. And so a good shepherd is present and knows his flock. And then as we've said, a shepherd finally, he leads and guides this flock. He knows where everything is. He knows where to take them and he knows how to get there safely. When we look at the Bible or, or just around the world, shepherds usually carry a staff or a rod. And these are meant to be uh, symbols of his authority that shows he is the one leading. Sometimes they help him save sheep or lift them out of things. Sometimes he uses them for correction, right? He uses the rod to say, don't do that again. Stay over here. But shepherds are, are leaders of their flock, and he wants to take them to the best circumstances that he knows. Now, here's the remarkable thing about this. Kind of all these attributes, when you think of a shepherd, all these things in the Bible get applied to God as the great shepherd. And even God's servant and under-shepherds and ultimately Christ. But first, let's take a look at what it means for God to be our shepherd. The first <clears throat> explicit mention of God as shepherd comes from the mouth of Jacob. 
And this is as he's blessing Joseph's sons near the end of his life. And this is what he says in Genesis 48, 15 and 16. He says, the God, whom, the God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked, the God who has been my shepherd all of my life long to this day, the angel who has redeemed me from all evil, bless my boys. What's Jacob talking about? If you'll remember Jacob's journey with God, it really begins after he has tricked his brother Esau out of his birthright, and then there has been growing discontentment in their family. Furthermore, Esau has taken Hittite women, those awful Hittite women, for wives, and they are driving his family crazy. In fact, they say, we can't spend one more Christmas with these women. So Jacob, you're going to have to go get a, a wife from your uncle. You need to get out of the house, go get a wife, and we'll see you later. And so Jacob steps out for the first time on his own, kind of in a hurry, away from mom and dad, and he's in need of a shepherd. Ever been there? Ever left everything you know to start something new? That's an exciting and yet, at the same time, a very lonely place. And just barely into his journey, Jacob meets God personally. God comes to him at Bethel when he's traveling from his parents' house to Laban's house. God appears to Jacob and repeats his covenant promises to Jacob. And then he says this, Genesis 28, 15, Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go. I will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised to you. And Jacob responds to God in this way in Genesis 28, 21, or 20 and 21. He says, if God will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go and will give me bread to eat and clothing to wear so that I come again into my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God. God is covenanting with Jacob to give him provision, protection, his presence, and his guidance. So I want to say, if, if you're in that place today, you, you've left everything that you have known, then the story of Jacob teaches us that God wants to meet you where you are in your brave new world and become your shepherd if you'll let him. When I was 18, I left my mom and dad, and I stepped into a brave new world. I moved to Utah, where I knew no one, to come to the University of Utah. And I had known God before, but it was here, as I was all alone, that God became my shepherd in new ways. I knew him before, but here he became my shepherd, my protector, my provider, my guide, the God who was with me. And as many of you have recently experienced maybe a divorce, the death of a, a loved one, the loss of your job, maybe a transfer to Utah, God wants you to meet you in this desert space and say to you, I am with you. I will provide for you. Put your faith in me. Follow me. I want to be your shepherd. And throughout his life, Jacob gets to see God to be true to his promise. Even when Jacob fails completely 
Jacob had heard about the God of his fathers for years, but when he met God, God became his shepherd. That is why in Genesis 48, 15, he can say that God has been his shepherd all of his life. So Jacob identifies God as shepherd, and God continues to be the great shepherd of Israel. In fact, in the Exodus, we see him lead the people out of Egypt as as a great shepherd, but from the Exodus on, we see God doing something different. It's not just God leading, but it's God using human shepherds that are meant to picture his coming great shepherd to lead his people. So we're going to look briefly at two of the most important, Moses and David, two of the greatest shepherds in the Bible. And by the way, they were both shepherds by profession before they shepherded God's people. The whole purpose of the Exodus was for God to create a special people for himself and amongst which his presence would dwell. In fact, Exodus 29.45 says this, I am the Lord their God who brought them out of the land of Egypt that I might dwell among them. I am the Lord their God. And we can think of all the mighty ways God shepherded his people from Egypt to the promised land. He guided them through the wilderness with a cloud by day and a fire by night. He provided water in the desert and when there was none, he made it come out of rocks for them. And he provided food from the sky, manna and quail so that the people had what they need. And in fact, Deuteronomy 29.5 says this about God, the great shepherd, that he made sure their shoes and their clothes never wore out. God shepherded his people through the desert to the promised land. But here's the cool thing. He did it through men. And let's look at Moses. Here's what Psalm 77, uh, 19 and 20 says about Moses and God's relationship. Speaking about the crossing of the Red Sea, here's what it says. It says, Your way was through the sea, your path through the great waters, yet your footprints, God, were unseen. Yet you led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. Though God is the great shepherd, he's He's leading his people Israel. He does it by the hands of men and by Moses. And what we're going to see is that the example of Moses teaches us that God will one day lead his people by a man, someone like us, who will do it perfectly. (coughs) And if you remember, as we've said, now Moses was actually a shepherd before he actually led God's people as a shepherd. After growing up in Egypt and in Pharaoh's house and becoming empathetic to the Hebrew people's plight, Moses had to flee to the desert after committing murder and shepherd's sheep for 40 years in the desert. That's a long time. Do you not think that, that God was speaking to him then? That God doesn't waste time with his people? That he was sanctifying and shaping Moses for the ways in which he would then shepherd his people. Wandering around in the desert, getting right with God through the same desert that he would then lead Israel through. So listen, whatever your 
situation, wherever you find yourself stuck today, God is using these days to shape you for something in the future for what he has for you, just as he did with Moses. Now, it's cool when God calls Moses in Exodus 4, too. You know what Moses has in his hand? He's got his shepherd's staff. In fact, this staff in Exodus 4.20 will go on to be called the staff of God, symbolizing Moses' leadership and authority over Israel, and at the same time that God is with him. His presence is with Moses. As Moses shepherds the people, God, the great shepherd, is empowering him to do that. And it's through Moses that God will lead the people. He is with them. He provides for them. He settles disputes for them. He teaches them what it means to follow God. He intercedes for them. He fights for them. And he takes them successfully through the desert to the promised land. God gave provision, protection, presence, guidance. And he did it partially through a man. Moses. But we know that Moses isn't perfect. And in fact, in several places, he gets gets angry at the people. In fact, at one point, he wants to quit. Says, God, you can have them. But the fact that Moses isn't perfect will begin to teach us that there is a better shepherd coming. There is one like Moses coming, but he will be far better. In fact, Deuteronomy 18.15, Moses even tells us this. The Lord your God will raise up from you a prophet like me from among you, from your brothers. It is him who you shall listen to. There is a greater shepherd coming to lead the people of Israel in much of the Old Testament. It's looking for the coming shepherd of God's people. And God will raise up Joshua after Moses and then the judges and and the kings of Israel all to shepherd God's people and all imperfect. And so we get to David, the king of Israel, that will teach us more about God's coming shepherd. Now we know that David was a good king, in fact, one of the best, a mighty warrior who defended Israel well. In fact, he increased Israel's territory He cared about God's people. He administered the resources of the kingdom well. The people were provided for. They were protected. They were led. He was with them. Again, it's interesting to note that David, like Moses, was actually a shepherd before he was made king. In fact, Psalm 78, 70 through 72 says this, The Lord chose David his servant, and he took him from the sheepfolds. From following the nursing ewes, he brought him to shepherd Jacob, his people, Israel, his inheritance. With upright heart, he shepherded them and guided them with his skillful hand. What David teaches us about God's good shepherd is that he has to have the right heart. That this shepherd that is coming, God's shepherd, must be shepherded by the great shepherd, the Father if he is to lead God's people well. In fact, Acts 13, says this about David. David is a man after God's own heart, and he will do all that God has given him. 
And that's important for two reasons. One, because it gives us a picture of the coming Christ who much more than David will be perfectly shepherded by God, the, the Father, and will do all the Father asks him. That's what John 5, 19 tells us, that he perfectly does everything that God shows him. But secondly, David shows us that when we are called to shepherd someone around us, if we're going to be, if we're going to do that well, we got to be shepherded by God first and foremost. If you're a stay-at-home mom, you're called to shepherd those little crazies you have zooming around the house all day long. To do that well, you need to be shepherded by the Father. If you're a dad and you've been called to shepherd your house in a lot of ways, to lead them in the ways of God, to provide for them, to protect for them all the things a shepherd does, you can't do that well unless you're shepherded by the Father. If you want to lead people at work, you need to be led by the Good Shepherd. Whatever it is, David shows us that that a good shepherd, his heart is given to the greatest shepherd, and follows him first and foremost. So David teaching us to follow the good shepherd. He says this in the, one of the most famous psalms. Psalms 23, 1 through 3. About the father. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness. For his name's sake. If you want to learn to be a good shepherd, then David says, you follow the greatest shepherd first. And then you do what he does for you. David was a great shepherd of God's people, but we know, like Moses, he was not perfect. Though David was a man after God's own heart, for his people Israel, he fell into adultery, and from then on he struggled to lead his family and to lead Israel at all. I mean, sometimes I think about this story. How would you like your sin to be, be written down in the most read book in the entire world? That's rough. And so good shepherds need to be shepherded also into the grace and the forgiveness of the gospel. And that's something else that David teaches us. That though I fail and though God has called me to be a shepherd, he's also shepherded me and showed me, he's led me in paths of repentance and forgiveness and restoration that David then shows to us. And so when you fail, you need to let Jesus shepherd you there too. Don't just wallow in your failure, but come to him and let him lead you in those paths of righteousness. He says in 1 John 1, 9, if you, if you confess your sins to me, I am faithful and just to forgive you of all unrighteousness and to cleanse you. Let him lead you in that. And so after David, the rest of Israel and Judah's kings then become examples of both good shepherds and bad shepherds that all help us recognize who the coming good shepherd will look like, what he is and what he is not. All of Israel's leaders, and what we'll see even into the New Testament, even, even leaders here in the church are meant for us to experience and understand what it is to be shepherded by the good shepherd and what, those she- what a good shepherd looks like. 
Let's talk just a minute about church leadership here. Did you, did you know that our church leadership is meant to function uh, as shepherds to God's people? In fact, I don't know if you know this, but the word pastor literally means shepherd. Pastor means shepherd. And God calls the pastors and elders of any church to shepherd it well. Here's what 1 Peter 5, 2-4 says. This is Peter talking to the elders of the churches. He says, Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd comes, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Pastors and elders are to provide protect, be present with the church, and lead well. Part of our role is to shepherd the flock that God has entrusted to us in a way that reflects the great shepherd of Christ. In fact, when you're looking for a church to attend, look at how the pastors shepherd their flock. Is it how First Peter describes? If so, that's a place you want to be. But as we have seen, all God's under-shepherds, they're not perfect. And we as pastors struggle just with sin, just like Moses and David and the prophets and the judges and everybody that has ever been called to be a, a shepherd by God. And so when you see the leadership of a church fail, or this church even, being less than what a good shepherd should be, Know that this is meant to cause you to long for the one good shepherd that's coming. The good shepherds of God's flock teach us what the coming shepherd will be like, and the bad shepherds teach us what he is not like. And guess what? God doesn't like bad shepherds. In fact, if you want to see how much he doesn't like them, read Ezekiel 34. He's going to deal with them. And all of this causes us to long for the coming good shepherd of Christ. In fact, at the end of the Old Testament, Micah looks forward to the coming birth of Christ. And this is what he says, Micah 5, 2 through 5. He says, but you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, we are too, are we, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah? From you shall come forth from me one who is to be ruler in Israel whose coming forth is from old, from ancient of days. Therefore he shall give them up until the time when she who is in labor has given birth. Then the rest of his brothers shall return to the people of Israel, and he shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they shall dwell secure, for he now shall be great to the ends of the earth, and he shall be their peace. And in Luke 2, 8 through 14, we get the record of that cold night in Bethlehem when the angels announced two shepherds who were watching their flock that the great and good shepherd had finally come. And so let's talk about Jesus.